0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Motivation Burrito. I am your host, Melissa, and it has been rough. And when I say like rough, I mean it's been rough. This week has been a week filled with lots of tears, lots of stress, Lots of angry words to God and the universe. Lots of moments where I wanted to just give up hope. Moments where I found myself just like staring into the void and staring off into deep space as if there was just nothing there. I felt like I was being consumed by this black hole of pure nothingness so to say it has been a rough week or a rough month is like barely scratching the surface of what i feel um because there's really no way to fully explain how i feel i can explain bits and pieces of it i can explain the feelings of the sadness, I can explain, the, you know, the feelings of depression, of the loneliness, of the uncertainty, but for me to explain why I felt all those things, I don't have an answer for that. Part of it has to do with the friend breakup, part of it has to do with the date situation, a uh, part of it has to do with just this journey that I've been on and it has taken me into places within myself that I thought I had healed it had taken me to places within myself that I thought I had left behind parts of myself that I thought had died and you know like and I don't mean physically died but you know if you've listened to any of my past episodes um You'll know that when I talk about like parts of me that have died, I I mean that in the sense of just old habits and beliefs and intentions that no longer resonate with me, versions of me that previously existed that are no longer relatable or no, no longer resonate or cannot go where I want to go. Um The old Melissa versus new Melissa idea. So all of that has come up again. But whereas in the past few episodes, I've been doing it and doing that work. I think in scratching the surface, I opened up Pandora's box and really dug myself deep. And this is something that I wasn't expecting to do. And this is something that most people resist doing. And the irony behind it is I'm the queen of resistance. I've talked about this in past episodes as well, where if there is something that I can resist, I am gonna resist it. It is just that is that's my way like i and i do it because i fear the unknown i do not like having answers i do not like having a plan i don't like not not knowing the future so anything that has to do with something i don't know about i resist it so when you're talking about a full scale self realization moment Or when you're talking about going deeper within yourself to places that you thought were long hidden and long gone and you find shit there that like you thought you had worked on or you find stuff there that you're like, yo, where did you come from? It can hit you like a ton of bricks. It can hit you like a fucking burrito that was just hurled at your face. And that's kind of what it felt like. But again, I can't fully describe that feeling because it's not something I've felt before. It's hard to explain... And I'm trying to explain it in the best way that I possibly can. Because this goes deeper than old Melissa and new Melissa. And, and I, I realized that it, it kind of <clears throat> is more along the lines of old Melissa versus real Melissa. Authentic Melissa. True Melissa. The parts that I had hidden for so long the parts that were always there, it's, it's not so much like becoming a new person with new beliefs and intentions. It's literally realizing that everything that I had done in the past was not authentic to me because I was doing it to please other people. I was doing it because I felt somebody was expecting me to look, feel, act this way people were expecting me to suppress my emotions people were expecting me to um be like be the boss be the manager do this do that like the expectations were set so high but not only were the expectations set so high there were so many expectations and the more i stopped doing with what people expected the more I kind of shocked myself because I realized I never wanted to do all those things to begin with. And I put myself in a position where I just didn't like things, you know? Like, I... I've always been the type of person that's like, go, 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 you know? I've always been the overachiever type. I've always been determined and headstrong and um, confident and just the powerhouse as they called it you know like I was that person that was like a powerhouse and you could go to me when you needed something done when you needed to get shit done but then I as I started to realize the amount of pressure that put on me and the amount of pressure I put on myself I started to realize I don't want to do half these things. Half the things that are on my to-do list, I don't want to do them. Half the things that I do on a daily basis drain me more than they give me life. They don't excite me. They don't give me that fuel, that passion, that, that drive and determination. And yes, there are parts of my job that I like, you know, like, and there are parts of... My everyday life that I do love. But there are certain things that just... I felt like I was doing them because I had to do them. Rather than because I wanted to do them. It's the people pleasing aspect, you know. Say yes to everything because that's what people want you to do. When you realize that you're overextending yourself. But the more I started to come away from the old version of me. And the more I started to step into real, authentic Melissa, the more people I lost, in a sense. Or the more I realized there are some people I just don't want to deal with, you know? Um, I feel like... I almost feel like parts of my circle just didn't fit. I felt like people that I had kept friendships with, I kept them for the same reason that I I kept other parts of myself with. It was because I felt like those people accepted me, but they didn't accept me, the real me. They accepted the version of me that they thought I was. And I started to realize that the same thing was happening in my past relationships, you know, that those people accepted a version of me that they thought I was. And that very, very rarely did I ever feel like I was truly being myself in any of them. So when this whole situation with the date happened, I felt like I wasn't being chosen again. And a part of me wanted to be like this is this is the part where I gave up hope you know because it was just like well nobody's ever going to accept me you know nobody's going to love me God in the universe doesn't love me I'm never going to find what I'm looking for and it was seriously the hardest thing like I beat myself down into the ground this week um Like, really down into the ground. And I kept saying, I just want someone to choose me. I want someone to choose me, like, in good times and in bad. I want somebody that I could build with, that I could grow with, that I could expand with. And I I was trying so, so hard to hold on to my new foundations, and I found them. I felt like it was crumbling. I felt like everything that I've been trying to build towards this year is already crumbling. And I was like, am I doing something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? Like, why isn't this going right? What am I doing wrong? Why do I keep failing? Why doesn't anybody want me? Why isn't anybody listening to my podcast? Like, why are, why is nothing going right So I felt like it was something wrong with me, which made it even worse. And then I put myself into an even bigger downward spiral and it just kept on going and going and and it created this massive snowball slash domino effect of just crying and self-loathing. And it was bad, it was bad. Because I couldn't find anything that I loved about myself. So fast forward to today, where some really big revelations came across. But before I even get into those revelations, something came up during the week that kind of It's been sticking with me or it's been sticking out at me. And I don't remember what exactly it was. I think I was looking for something in my phone and I came across this old note that I had wrote in like one of those notepad apps. And I remember writing in this notepad, like in this notepad app, something So before I started this podcast, I had written a book. It was like a personal development book, like a a self-help book kind of way. And I self-published it on Amazon. It was a very short book, very quick, very easy read. Um, It was about 110 pages or so. So again, it was all through my experience. Super quick, super easy. It was based on a format that I had originally intended to be for a coaching model but i couldn't picture myself as a self-help coach because i can't picture myself charging for services like it just does not resonate for like with me and also the stuff that i do like this podcast when i talk to people it's so natural i don't do things on a set program i don't do things on a set basis i don't have like a a format of This is phase one and this is phase two and this is phase three everything i do is conversational it is one-on-one it's me holding space for you in your current situation in that current moment in time we live in the present everything about the motivation burrito is living in the present living in the now honoring the journey where you are and sitting with you there and having the conversations of you there So I couldn't do a coaching model based on this because how do you create a coaching model based off the present? Usually coaching models when you're a self-help coach or a motivational uh, coach is because, again, you already have the answers. You already have the processes in place that got you from point A to point B. We don't do that here. I don't always know what point B is going to be. Half the times, I don't even know if I'm on point A. I like, we just literally go with the flow. So to create a coaching model based off of that is just not something that I think is even possible. But the book was written based on a model that I had intended for If I was gonna become a personal development coach or for when I wanted to be a personal development coach and it was a cute model um I did like it I did like the idea of it I liked the concept again it was something different and unique and it absolutely showcased my personality and who I was as a as what I do um and who I am as a human being but that book didn't do well (laughs) as with anything um And again, this is what, these are the things that continue to make me feel like I'm not successful or that I didn't do enough because the book didn't do well. And so it was like I failed as a writer. My book didn't do any, like, do well. I didn't make massive sales. Um, Not too many people bought it. My friends bought it. But even then, they bought it, I think, just to buy it. I don't know how many of them actually read it. So all of it... Just made me feel like that was another failed endeavor. So then I decided that I wanted to write a romantic novel or like a romantic comedy. And I wanted it to be loosely based off my life because I was like, yo, my life is a joke, especially my love life. It's a complete joke. And so I might as well make fun of myself and just kind of play around with, you know, the idea of how god-awful it is for me in the dating world and I was also going to put in some past experiences you know with my relationships like the good bits you know not the bad bits so I had this plan to write like a romantic comedy and I remember saying to one of my friends how can you write a love story when your own love story isn't finished how can you write a romantic comedy When you yourself don't have a happy ending. And my friend said to write it as if you were writing your story. Because then you can manifest your story, right? Like, that's what these coaches do. They say, oh, write write the romantic comedy as if you were writing your own love story and watch it unfold for you. Bullshit. Bullshit. Absolute 100% bullshit. It does not always happen that way. Especially if that story doesn't resonate with you and if that story is not authentic to who you who you are who you truly are so I could sit there and write a love story but if that's not who the real Melissa is and that's not who the real Melissa is meant to attract I'm not going to attract that person in my life so I didn't write it I didn't write the love story but this episode has to do with a character in that love story because this character is a reflection of not so much the real Melissa but when I wrote this character I wrote her With parts of me in mind that I valued the most. Or parts of me in mind that I I wanted to honor and I wanted to bring out. And that's what I wanted to showcase when I brought her to life. So before I get into today's amazing revelations... You'll see why this characterization is super important because, again, this has been nagging at me for like a couple of days now. When I found this note on my phone, something kept on saying, your next episode needs to be about this. Your next episode needs to be about this. And I couldn't understand why I, my, my intuition was telling me that I had to do a whole episode based on a character that was never actually written into existence I couldn't understand why I was getting this nudge that you need to talk about this you need like this needs to be brought to the surface needs to be like talked about in your podcast and it wasn't until today where I started to realize there was a reason and that there was an unfolding as usual as the universe does you see when I get to the place to the dark place when I get to that void that I've been in in the last week. I can't see these things right away. All I get are the intuitive nudges and all I get is, you know, like bits and and pieces. And sometimes it takes me a little longer to connect the dots because either I resist it or I'm just so frustrated and so angry and so upset that... I don't see the whole picture. I only see part of the picture. So I knew in some way, in some capacity, I had to talk about this character. I knew in some way that there was a nudge to to talk about her and to talk about the book. And then today, it kind of all came together. And I get it. So I'm going to start by reading the preface, the Preface? Preface? I can't think today. The preface of what I had originally intended for this book. The book was going to be called... Let me see if I still have the photo. This might be the best way to do it. And I've been trying to think about what photo I was going to post when I posted this preview episode. uh, Because I I really don't know what I was going to do with this or how I was going to preview it or how I was going to post it. But I just knew that there had to be some type of picture and there had to be something that I was going to do. And I want to see if I still have the original cover design. I do. So the first book, and this was going to be a two-part, this was 100% going to be a two-part romantic comedy. And the first book was going to be called Love is made from dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin, and so is insanity. Wild, right? Can you tell I'm a fucking nerd? And then the sequel was going to be called Diamonds Are Just Ultra Pressurized Carbon from the Earth's Mantle. Something wrong with me. Seriously. So, those were going to be the book titles. So now here is that little preface, which is the thing prior to the introduction that I had written for this book. It says, the characters in this book are fictional and are not based on any particular people or events. However, the names were carefully chosen and selected through tons of research and intense character development. Side note, by tons of re- research, I meant, where I, I mean, I, I literally spent hours googling names. Oh, I did write that here. So it says, I can't tell you how many times Google and Facebook started showing me baby ads because I was using baby name sites to choose each of character's name. Oh, the consequences of being an author. Before I get into the reasons behind each of their names, I have to first say, this is not your typical romance novel. This isn't boy meets girl or girl meets boy and they fall in love and live happily ever after. This is a love story that's half realist and half hopeless romantic. This is the scary side of love, the trials and tribulations. This is a story of broken people finding their way through life and learning to put themselves back together after all else has failed. It's a story of having the courage to show up for someone else when they have yet to learn to show up for for themselves. It's about being seen in ways that will make your heart race, knowing that the person on the other side knows your deepest desires and trusting that they won't use it against you. This is where the character development comes in. In a way, you can say that Harley Jade is me in another lifetime. She's everything I've ever wanted to be. Young, smart, successful, intuitive, and a woman who climbed to the high ranks against all odds. Everyone in her circle saw and recognized her greatness and pushed her to be her best. Even though she came from a small town, she received some of the greatest opportunities and was a powerhouse no matter what she did. I knew that I needed to give a woman like her a unique name. Not only that, I needed to give her a fighting chance in a world that favors masculinity in executive and elite roles. I needed to choose a name that was unisex but still symbolized something powerful, something that's idolized and often coveted. I thought of traditional Harley motorcycles. Men loved them. They're timeless, they're classic, they're symbols of power and status, and at the same time, I wanted Harley to have a soft side, so I chose jade. As a stone, jade is a symbol of harmony, balance, greatness, gentleness, and love. The duality I created in Harley-jade was not easy to write, and I had to search deep within my own duality to bring her to life. So, that's just Harley. And the last name I chose, I didn't talk about the last name. And I'm going to talk about that here. Harley Jade's full name is Harley Jade Garcia. And I chose the last name Garcia because Garcia was my favorite character in Criminal Minds. Penelope Garcia was a character unlike any other, if you ask me. She was so unique and so in her element all the time. Like, there was maybe just one episode where she tried to be someone that she wasn't. And she really, qui- she really quickly realized how much that failed her and that didn't work for her. Everybody who knew Garcia knew she was different. Everybody knew that as different as she was, there was nobody who could do the things that she could do. And that's what made her so special. But not only was she like this wild-looking, free-spirited woman on the outside, she had a heart unlike any other. Like, the girl loved. And if you were in her life, if she let you in, you were family to her. So when I created my character for this book, when I created Harley Jade Garcia, it was with that image in mind that this is a woman unlike any other. That this is a woman who beat all the odds that no matter fr- no matter what life threw at her, she tackled it and conquered it with such grace because it wasn't just about the power and the stamina and and again that like you know like that that strong confidence it was the grace and the gentleness and the beauty and the dignity that she brought with it but she was I wanted her to be timeless too i wanted harley's character to be somebody that was relatable throughout all time and space, that no matter when you read that book, whether it was in 2021 or 2019 or 2052, that you would look at Harley or you would envision Harley in your mind and see a part of her within yourself. I wanted Harley to be someone that everybody felt like they could relate to but at the same time I wanted her to be someone that everybody wanted to be I wanted her to be a person that everybody looked up to for a character you know that says a lot it says a lot about who I wanted her to be so when I read this I started to realize that I really did mean what I said when I said that Harley Jade is me in another lifetime. Except the ironic thing is, I don't think Harley Jade is me in another lifetime. I think she's me now. I think Harley Jade is the authentic me that I've been wanting to be. I think that... Harley is the bits of myself that I had hidden. Harley is parts of me that I felt ashamed to talk about. And that the only way I could bring her to life, the only way I could bring myself to life was to bring her to life. But what did I do? kind of killed her because I never brought her to life. I left her. I abandoned her in a way. And in doing so... I abandoned myself. I abandoned everything that I had envisioned. I had I had abandoned all the things that I love about myself, all the qualities that I saw in myself that I loved. I abandoned that timelessness, that intuitiveness, that that gentleness, that that desire to love. You know, I I abandoned all of those things because I felt like it was going to fail. I felt like it wouldn't be accepted. I felt like it wouldn't be understood. I felt like it was hard, to be honest. Um, Can you imagine bringing Harley to life only for it to fail, only for the world to not accept her? Something that I put in so much time and effort into creating, someone that, was near and dear to my heart. Because again, when you're talking about someone or something that is a reflection of yourself, it is what's in your heart. So can you imagine if I brought Harley Jade to life and the world rejected her? That would be like the world rejecting me. And that fear kept me... From continuing to write this book. And at the same time, that not knowing, that uncertainty in the journey of my love story kept me from writing this book because I didn't believe that I was worthy of finding that which I was writing about. So let's talk about Harley's counterpart or her supposed love in the book her love interest so hunter ryan was the name that i gave him and i can't remember the last name i gave him um but hunter ryan was also not easy to characterize i created him in the image of the stereotypical upper class man in a beautiful california town But when you read his backstory, it unveils a man who witnessed the ugly truth of love and closed himself off to it. I chose to give him the three first names, as most rom-coms do when making fun of the rich boy. While there were so many choices and combinations, I wanted to give him a powerful name as well, a name that spanned across lifetimes. Hunter, a man who hunts for food and supplies in order to provide for their family, tribes, etc., The Hunters are highly observant. They are trained, meticulous, detail-oriented. They are proud men, but are also honored. Hunter is the protector, which is the quality I value most in my relationships. Do you see how this book was ahead of its time? Because it was literally me writing something a year and a half ago because I wrote this it says this was last modified in August 2019 so about a year and a half ago I wrote this this thing right here this is all me on the inside because The relationship that you attract, the person that you attract in your life is a reflection of you. So if I'm characterizing Hunter as somebody who is again, spanning across lifetimes, the provider, and we've talked about providers, I've talked about providers in the Queen's Code, I've talked about the idea of providing in the episode that have. that that was dedicated to men, the providers, the, they're observant, they're meticulous, they're highly trained, detail-oriented, they're honorable men, honorable people, the protectors. What I want in my relationships is again, the parts of me that I desire, that that I want and denied within myself. So what I want in my relationships is the part that I denied in myself. And what's crazy about that, right? And I think in a small way, this is a little bit of a theory on relationships, right? When we look for something in a relationship, it's because we feel like we're missing that that thing in our life but maybe we're not missing it. Maybe we're just denying that part of ourselves. Maybe we're not allowing that part of ourselves to live. So if I were to honor Harley and honor Hunter, I'd be honoring both parts of myself. I'd be honoring the divine feminine and that divine masculine all at the same time and man, Is that something I've been struggling with for the longest time? And it's so funny how the answers have been in my hands all along, really. I have literally had the answers to this year and a half long journey. But sometimes you just can't see it. Sometimes you can't see it right away. Sometimes you're... You overthink it to the point of oblivion, to the point where it just no longer makes sense to you. And the reason why all of this came up is because today I had a video call. And it was a video call that we had, that I had been like excited about for a while. Like it was hyped up, um, super excited about it. You know, we were told that the guest speaker that we had today was just going to be like super amazing, life-changing. And I was like, I love life-changing. You tell me something is going to be life-changing. Like yo, I love life-changing. And as I'm listening to this video, or as I'm on this call today, It wasn't resonating. And I felt like this wasn't it. I'm, like, here trying to find answers to what's been going on with me the last week. I'm here to try and find answers as to, like, why I've been feeling the way I feel. Why am I feeling so rejected, so unloved? Like, why am I feeling so hopeless? And i'm thinking like if this is going to be life-changing then everything is going to shift for me and this is going to be so great because i'll finally have the answers and i'll realize like what's been going on and i can shift it and in the first few minutes of the call it was about self-love and self-care and i was like are you kidding me i was like i know all about self-love and i know all about self-care and i was like in fact when it comes to self-care i'm like so good at self-care and when it comes to self-awareness i'm highly self-aware for me i didn't need somebody to tell me that self-love is about having the self-awareness and and about continuing to show up and fighting for you know, those things and fighting for yourself. Like I know all those things. My problem is what happens when you start to second guess those things? What happens when you stop believing in those things? That's where my problem is. I'm highly self-aware. I know all the parts of myself that need work. I know all the parts of myself that I love. I'm having trouble marrying the two together. I'm having trouble bridging that gap between the parts of me that I feel need work and the parts of me that I feel are awesome. They're so far apart that it's almost like they're two separate people and they're two separate entities. And I've been struggling to try and like find a way to unite them, basically. And so it was kind of like this struggle of, again, old Melissa versus new Melissa. But then I went back to a link that was shared in the beginning and it was an original, it was her original interview that she did. And I'm going to pull up the quote really quick because I wrote it down for the purpose of this podcast episode. In her original interview that my mentor had referenced, she said, let all that comes to me. Be the result of me being 100% myself. And something about that was like, oh, that's good. Something about that was just like, oh, I need to hold on to that real quick. And so that started to sit with me. That let all that comes to me the result of me being 100% myself. And that's when it hit me that again, the battle was not old Melissa versus new Melissa. It was old Melissa versus real Melissa. And that everything that I had been doing up until now was shedding the layers so that I could show up 100% authentically. So then I told my friend about this and I was like, okay, now stuff is starting to, to brew here. And it went back to something that happened earlier today. So earlier today, my letter board where I had build a better house, I keep that, you know, message in that quote on a letter board as a reminder of this is what I'm looking for for 2021. You know, my intention is to build a better house is to build you know that house based on my foundations, my new foundations, my new beliefs, my new intentions. And today the letter board fell. And this is the second time this week that the letter board has fallen randomly without me knowing why. And I'm like why does this letterboard keep falling? Like, is it trying to say that my foundations are crumbling? Is it trying to say that my house is crumbling? And I started to think about the Tower Tarot card, and that usually when things crumble and things fall, like when that shakeup happens, it means that something good is coming. But in order for it to come, the foundations need to be shaken up, right? And I was like, no, because my foundations are supposed to weather the storm. My foundations are supposed to be strong. They're supposed to be like, able to withstand anything that life throws at it. Because if I'm strong in my foundations, then I can do anything. And if I'm strong in my foundations and I believe in my foundations, then all my blessings will come to me. And so I was getting really upset because I was just like, the letterboard is falling. I felt like my foundations were crumbling. I felt like everything that I had intended for this year, again, was failing right before my very eyes. And I started to question, are my foundations wrong? Did I choose the wrong foundations? So... What I realized when I was talking to my friend about that quote was that my problem is not in the awareness or the care. My problem is that as much as I'm building new foundations and new Melissa, right, that I keep holding on to the past, that I I keep holding on to past rejections, past pain, past sadness because those things keep coming up again like the date thing keeps on coming up again like that rejection keeps coming up again and the feeling of oh well you know like I'm not I'm going to be single for the rest of my life like all of it is coming up again and then I realized that all of this is coming up again because I'm not being 100% myself and then I continue to compare myself now to who I was back then because back then I was a magnet for friends and men and I could attract anything that I wanted but now that I'm authentic like I'm not attracting anything but the universe keeps on asking okay what do you want though Do you want to be old Melissa and attract everything that caused you pain and caused you the suffering to begin with and continue to made you feel this way? Or do you want to be the real Melissa and know that everything that comes to you from here on out is meant for you, is meant for your authentic self? And when I thought that, This is where the biggest revelation of the day hit. The idea of building a better house and building the foundations wasn't the whole idea. I couldn't see the whole picture. The foundations are an extension of me. I am the foundations. I am the house. I don't need to build it, I am it. The house is me, it always has been me. And then my friend was like, but wait, wasn't that the metaphor all along? I was like, no, (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? So the fact that she thought that that was the metaphor Like, it goes to show that she's ahead of the game, first of all, but that I had been blocking myself from seeing the bigger picture, that it wasn't just about the foundations. It was about me. I am the foundation. I am the house. It all starts with me. My original idea was about building a life I created and manifesting the things that I want in my life, but... None of that matters if I'm not me. None of that matters if I don't show up as the real Melissa. And it's so crazy, you know, it's so crazy how these lessons like pop up and they and they just kind of surprise me sometimes. And I'm like, oh, that was a that was a good one. That was a really good one. But then it also made sense as to why it was so important for me to talk about Harley Jade. Because she's a part of me. I didn't write her character in the hopes that people would love her and that she would be timeless and that she would be widely accepted. I wrote her because I wanted the world to see me. Not a character, but me. I wanted the world to see how I look when I'm in my feminine. I wanted the world to see how I look when I tap into that sensitive, loving, emotional side of myself. And at the same time, when I wrote Hunter that was the masculine that was that need to protect that was the the desire to provide to you know to, to be that provider to be that hero in a sense you know to to be like the strong one the protector but what i realize now is that they're both me. They're my yin and yang. They're my masculine and feminine. They're they're both essentially me. And in the book they come to love each other or at least that was going to be the intention. You know, in in the book they come together. And they come to realize that they need each other because they each have something that the other person needs. And it's not to say that those two parts... Like, it's not to say in a relationship that, you know, one person completes the other. That's not the idea. Again, it's... it's the relationship that I'm looking for is a relationship where my partner is a reflection of me. So it's not to say that they need each other because... Hunter has qualities that Harley doesn't, and Harley has qualities that Hunter doesn't. It's that they need each other because they mirror back the qualities within themselves that they're denying because Hunter has that sensitive side. He has that capacity to love. He has that capacity to be gentle and and to be soft and to also be timeless and to also be powerful and to be loved loved and adored by all. Just like Harley has that capacity to protect what she loves and to provide for those that she loves. So they reflect each other. They reflect the parts of each other that they were denying for so long. But not only do they reflect each other, they reflect me. They reflect the parts of myself that I denied. And there's like, you know, it's, it's, again, it's crazy (laughs) because you wouldn't think, you know? Um, And when I wrote this, it's, what I find the most interesting is I wrote in that same passage, you know, writing a love story is hard when your own story is incomplete. I had to develop these two in a way That readers would connect to them without assuming that they are like every other character in a love story. I also had to create Hunter from a place of love, even if I myself had been heartbroken. So for me to say that I had to create Hunter from a place of love after being heartbroken so many times. Because when I wrote this, when I started writing this book, I was still in a place where... I didn't want relationships. I was still in a place where men were kind of at the bottom of my list. You know, like I wasn't... I I felt like I just didn't have the capacity or the energy to invest in a relationship. And I was still bitter. I, I will admit and say that I was still very bitter. Um, or at least not so much bitter anymore, but resistant. I was definitely resistant to putting myself back out there and finding a relationship again. So even though the bitterness had gone away or I had done some of the healing around the, bit, the bitterness, there was still that resistance. And when you have that resistance, you're not fully healed. So for me to say that I had to write Hunter from a place of love means that I did not love that part of myself. It meant that I was writing Hunter in a way where he had qualities that, you know, I didn't like. Or he had qualities that were triggering or upsetting in any way. Because I was, like in any romantic comedy, you have that plot twist, right? You have that plot twist where somebody messes up. And that one little mistake is made and the two just kind of like walk away from each other. And then all of a sudden one apologizes and everything works out and it's all magical. And they come back together and they live happily ever after. And I couldn't picture myself writing that because I knew that the mistake that Hunter would make would be... triggering for me. I knew that I had to write something that was real. I knew that I had to either have him say something he didn't mean, or have him judge her in some way, or have him reject her in some way, um, or maybe even betray her, or ghost her, or something. Something had to be so real to trigger that emotional moment for myself and I was dreading writing that moment because I didn't want him to be the men that had hurt me in my past I really really wanted to write Hunter in this image of an amazing man that everybody was going to love And somebody who would never break Harley's heart. So I wrote him. But at the same time. I kind of didn't want to write him. And that's why I was okay with letting the book go. I kind of feel bad because this episode is definitely different. It's not something that. I thought I would be talking about it's not a topic that I thought I would be talking about I didn't think I I would ever do an episode where I talked about a character that I wanted to write in a book but I'm here talking about it today because I feel like it's so important for people to know Harley because it's like I said she's me and I really want my audience to know me, but not only do I want my my audience and my listeners to know me and to know the parts of myself that I truly love about myself, I want I want my my listeners to either see Harley within themselves I do want like that original intention still stands like I want my listeners to hear about Harley Jade and think, oh my God, yeah, like, I love that and I would totally want to be that. Or, you know, those are qualities in myself that I see as well. And maybe Melissa's right. Like, I should love those qualities more. And I want my listeners to, like, think of Harley and think of those parts of her and see them within themselves. But maybe it's not a Harley. Maybe you have your own qualities within yourself that you've denied for so long and you start to look at those qualities and think like, are these the things that make up the real me or what have I been hiding that I shouldn't hide anymore? You know, like how can I continue to show up or how can I show up even more authentic than I have been? Everyone has a Harley. Everyone has a person within themselves or parts of themselves and qualities within themselves that they just felt ashamed to bring to the surface. Write about your Harley. Write about, even if it's in a journal or a notebook or in a notepad on your phone, write about the qualities that you hid that you think are your best qualities, but you feel like they're weird or that they won't be accepted or that you'll be judged for. Write about the things that you wish people knew about you and you'll have your Harley. You'll have a part of yourself that may have been lost or a part of yourself that you really admired, and that might increase your self-love, and that might take you to a whole new level. So if you're struggling like me with self-love, find your Harley. A lot of the times, the characters that we make up in our heads are, again, just versions of ourselves that we wish people knew about, versions of ourselves that we wish we could live and breathe into everything that we we did in life. But who says we can't? Why should we hide those parts of ourselves anymore when they're probably the best bits? I guarantee you if I wrote about Harley, people would have loved her. And I guarantee you that knowing that if I knew that people would love Harley, I wouldn't hide that about myself. I wouldn't hide those qualities about myself. If I knew that Harley was going to be a hit, I'd be like, yo, Harley's me. Like, that bitch is me. I'm Harley. But because I questioned her and her characters and her characterization, and I wondered if she would even be accepted in any way, I questioned myself. Questioning Harley and questioning Hunter, I questioned myself. So I guess in a way, this episode is bringing her to life, but in a way It's bringing me back to life. You know? It's weird. Um, And again, I... I I don't want to apologize for this episode. I know it's very, very different than the episodes that I've been doing. And... To be honest, I am scared for this episode. But at the same time, the world needs to fucking know who Harley Jade is in order to know who I am. And I think that's magic because I want people to connect with me. I want my listeners to be like, yo, Melissa, you're kind of (laughs) dope. And yeah, she would have been amazing because you're amazing. So I'm hoping that This episode lands the way it needs to land, and I'm hoping that as Harley Jade Garcia lives and breathes today, that I now show up more authentically than I ever have before, and that everything that happens as a result of this is because I introduced her into the world, because she's magic. She would have been magic. Um, And the world loved her. In the book, she was loved by, like, everybody. She was loved in her small town. She was loved in her company. Like, people just wanted to be around her. And again, she's me. So, yeah. Yeah. As, as weird and as unique and as different as this episode is, as much as it is just not my normal, something kept on saying to me, you need to talk about this. You need to talk about Harley Jade and that book that never was. And you need to talk about who she would have been. And you need to talk about you and how it all relates. And so I'm trusting that all of this Happened for a reason, and that this episode is absolutely meant to be published, and that its purpose and it, its intention will be understood and received uh, um, and noticed. So, yeah. <laughs> I hope it wasn't too confusing. But you know, again, it's it's just this is something that's very unique and it's not a topic that I thought I would ever be doing, but when you get those intuitions and you get those nudges and something tells you to do something, you kind of just go with the flow and you do it anyway. And as scary as it might be and as nerve-wracking as it might be and as uncertain you are of the outcome, you also kind of have to trust that It's going to be the best thing or that it's going to do what it's meant to do and just trust in, trust in it, just trust in everything. So I'm trusting in this episode 100% and I'm so grateful that I did this and I'm grateful that I got to share a part of myself that I've hidden for so long. So now you get to see another part of me. Your amazing host, and that's a wrap for this episode of the Motivation Burrito. I am once again your host Melissa, and thank you for listening to me ramble about absolute nothingness, at the same time, um, rambling about characters and self-realization and self-love and all that fun stuff. Check me out on Instagram. You can follow me at the Motivation Burrito, or if you want to follow my personal page at melissa underscore five self. Also check out the website, www.themotivationburrito.com. Feel free to message me or leave comments or feedback or let me know if there's anything you want me to talk about in the upcoming weeks. I'm hoping to see some normalcy again. I am starting to come out of the dark place, so that's cool. But there's still a lot going on, so I can't guarantee anything. But for now, I feel good. Today, I feel good. And so... This has been another episode of the Motivation Burrito. Until next time, everybody. Love you all.